What if you found out that your eighth grade child was being coached by a convicted felon? What if you were that child and you learned your coach just got out of prison? Today's guest is a licensed professional counselor, and she was that eighth grade girl back in 2006 when I got out of prison. And we talk about how that impacted her life as well as how it gives her a different perspective on what she does now. Today, we do a background check on Jessica Bearden. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. Where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back, it should pay you back. I'm your host, Jaden Gum, and as always, is brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. Hey, if you want to sponsor the show, get with me. Let me know. We can promote your company, your organization, your whatever. And if you want to be a sponsor of an episode or the whole show, let me know. If you want to know more about Forgiven Felons and what we do, how we started, what we're doing now, and what we're planning on doing, Go to ForgivenFelons.org and check out all the stories. Check out the documentary that you can watch on Roku TV and Tubi TV. Uh, that, that documentary is hosted and narrated by Sting, WWE Hall of Fame wrestler. Uh, and then you can also find here Impact Stories, and you can listen to the, the podcast from the website. And uh, especially if you have a loved one in prison, no matter where they're in prison from, all across the nation, if they need a, a good transitional house to help them get back on their feet when they make parole, then go to the website, get in contact with me uh, on the contact page. You can either call the office, sell, email us, whatever, uh, or email us directly from the contact page. But get in contact with us. You know, um, we got a lot of good plans to help more people than just housing them. Uh, the resource center is in in the plans and. There's going to be vocational training, three to four, maybe five vocational training. There's going to be recovery classes, financial literacy classes, family parole support classes. Uh, there's going to be so many different things that we're doing, social entrepreneurship. We'll have some dry goods, some clothing, some hygiene, bus passes, and just all kinds of support for the greater Dallas area. And who knows, you know, maybe when we get it going, if somebody wants to do the same thing in, in a city that they're in. We could expand. We can do that. Background check podcast. What do we do? We're just telling stories of people who have risen above their past and their background, not letting them hold it, hold them back, but making it pay them back. Uh, we also share stories of people who help others rise above their past and their background. And, um, and today's guest is one of those people who help people rise above their past and their background and, and, uh, and help them navigate life in, in a more healthy way with a, with a proper mindset. And, and I'm telling you, man, she's just an amazing woman. She, when I got out of prison 15 and a half years ago, I was in church 
I was kind of just coasting through the summer. And then all of a sudden my pastor comes to me and says, Hey man, uh, you know, I coached you in Bible quiz when you were in high school. So, uh, we need somebody to coach the teen Bible quiz. And I'm like, not even knowing who was on the team. I was just like, you know, I, I don't know what parents would think if they knew their kids were being coached by a convicted felon. And of course he didn't care. He knew who I was now. He knew that the heart change he'd, he was been my lifelong mentor since I was in junior high. So he knew how solid my change was at that point. And, and he had every bit of confidence in me. So he's like, I'll, I'll take the heat. If anybody comes forward, it ended up just being his two boys and this little girl named Jessica price. And, and she was just a feisty little eighth grader, amazing, mature beyond her, her years. And it was incredible. And I got to know her. And then the first competition we had, I got to know her dad. And that conversation turned into covenant relationships. And, you know, I had been studying covenant relationships in prison. And then when I got out, I studied a little more. Her dad, Rob Price, was he teaches on covenant. He wrote, he wrote books on covenant. He's co-written with... Uh, people, you know, Hollywood writers and people, you know, that, that minister to Hollywood, uh, Jim Garlow. Uh, I listened to Jim Garlow, his radio show in prison called the Garlow perspective. And when he talked about covenant and then I bought his book and Rob ended up co-writing the revision of that book. And it's just incredible. Uh, their family's incredible. Uh, I've got to watch Jessica grow from a little eighth grade girl to a, uh, very mature high schooler, um, then wife and mother, and now a licensed professional counselor. And it was my honor and privilege to get to talk with her. She has some unique perspective on addiction, and I think you're just going to enjoy it. But um, here, here is our interview with Jessica Bearden. Jessica, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Hello, hello. For the second time. People don't know that, though. Nobody knows this is your second time, but we know. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I'm looking and double-checking and triple-checking, and I did hit record this time. Good. So just to give a little history, <clears throat> we were here last summer, and we were recording some great content. You were just... I know we're going to hit it all again. Hopefully, but I don't remember. You, <laughs> the whole year. you were on fire, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. I, I looked down thinking... This is an amazing what she's driving home this point. And I just glanced over at my recorder and it wasn't in red. It was in white. And, and in fact, I'm still looking at it again now to make sure it's recording. It's red. So here we go again. Let's do this. And now some things have changed. Mm -hmm. First of all, your dog hates me now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then and, and you have another child on the way. I do. I do. I'm about almost five months Pregnant. Now, do we know boy. little boy? Little boy. What are you? What are y'all gonna do with little boy? Well, Dustin's happy, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He needs a boy. And then, um, when so when five months, mm -hmm. they're gonna be what? They'll be almost three. No, no. Okay, yeah. The kids are three, but your baby's gonna be due when? Oh, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. The wow. last day of the year. Wow. I'm hoping for January, baby. All the great people are born in January. <laughs> Mine's the 21st. All right, good coffee. All right, we're, we're ready. We're set. Now, Background Check Podcast, Jessica, is all about sharing stories of people who have risen above their past, their background, no matter what that past and background is. I mean, we've had 
Priscilla Bordeo on here. She had to rise above her background. It wasn't a mm-hmm. criminal background, but it was a background of abuse and different things. And and then we've also had people on here um, that help other people navigate life after a background. And uh, and you fit into that category as well. And so uh, we've had. I'm having fun. We've we've got over 62 episodes now. And I already told you this, but. We're we're gonna be heard in prison. So I shout out that. shout out to all the inmates yeah. in prison right now, Hello. female, male, all across the nation. So um, so a lot of things have changed, and uh, but thank you for having having allowed me to come back down and do this again because um, oh the other thing is you have a podcast now. I do, yeah. I, so I tell us about the tell, okay. Tell everybody what you do right now, <clears throat> and talk about what you who you are right now, what you do including your podcast and family and everything. Yeah, so um, for work, I am now a fully licensed professional counselor. So I got that Woo-hoo. last month. Very exciting. So I'm just, you know, working with people and just enjoying what happens in the counseling office and um, raising a family. Got twin girls, a baby on the way, first responder wife. And um, so he's sleeping right now. <laughs> he's on that night shift. And then... Um, you know, a passion of mine is to teach the Bible. And so any opportunity I get, I'm trying to do that. So whether that's in my Sunday school classes at church or just, um, you know, studying God's word and creating short, easy, accessible devotionals. And so my podcast is like under 15 minute Bible teachings just to get the word of God out there and to encourage people to know that it's so accessible. And I'm actually going to be interviewing you on mine. <laughs> I'm we'll excited. Do a, we'll do a short 15-minute Devo. And, and it's going to be hard for me to be involved in a 15-minute well, podcast. I'll cut, I'll cut so you, it down. You're gonna have don't to you cut, worry. You're going to have to cut me off. Yeah. Uh, it, the podcast is incredible. I binged listen to, um, to some of them, I think, whenever I was taking Christmas lights down. You know, I got all, I got all day and all night, you know, to listen and plus I'm on roofs and, and so it helps me uh, stay grounded. But I think <clears throat> I think the first ones I listened to, you had a few on Covenant, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I mean, I just listened to them one after the other. And I, of course, I know, you know, I, I only know your dad from just to give everybody a history. So I get out of prison 15 years ago and it was about this time in the summer, 15 years ago when Pastor Tim Ferguson came up to me and said, hey, why don't you coach teen Bible quiz? I'm like, no, thanks. Uh, I don't know if parents want a felon coaching their kids. And, of course, I always throw that around just, you know, for humor. But he's like, oh, it won't matter. And so I'm like, okay, well, everybody on the team I know except for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just thought you were, you, you were the neatest little young mature girl for your age. I think you were in eighth grade at that time. But then, but then we went to district at the Oaks. And I got to I got to meet your dad for the first time, and he was really wanting to meet you know the felon who was coaching his daughter Bible right. in Bible quiz. <laughs> <laughs> but that lunch at Bubba's Barbecue, which is not there anymore, was the most interesting lunch I've ever had in my life, because I got to know your dad, but I got to know you as well, and to hear both of you talk about covenant the way you did, it was just incredible. And then the fact that he was excited because I got to tell him that I was uh, listening to a program about covenant in Mm -hmm. prison by a guy named Jim Garlow. Mm -hmm. And then that story just, Jim was, Garlow came and did a conference. I texted your dad. I said, Hey, Jim Garlow's up here. I'm working the green room. Come meet him. And I didn't even know whether I could make that happen. I just told Rob, I said, come on up, you know, and, 
and it was really it was really neat. And then, gosh, Jim and your dad wrote a book together. I know. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. incredible. That's and an then, open and door. Then, and then uh, your dad gave ten uh, percent of the proceeds or, or whatever there was to forgiven felons. It's just inc- just that, so that's how we know each other. And I've watched you grow up from this uh, spunky, feisty little eighth grader to just this awesome, spiritually mature woman of God with a family. And uh, it's an honor. It's an honor to be able to interview you. You don't have a criminal past. So we're going to we're going to talk about what you do for a living. And you know, man, addiction is a is a hot topic in our, mm-hmm. you know, how to how to approach it, whether it's a disease or not, whether it's a choice, whether it's a you know, one of the recover, faith-based recovery groups that we take our guys to in Dallas called Regeneration. They they talk about how all these things that we have recovery steps for are are not the root issue. They're just the manifestation of the root issue, which is sin. And, you know, and so, man, recovery is such a crazy topic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wanted to hear, you've grown up in church. Yeah. You know, so I don't know how many alcoholics and drug addicts you were exposed to, you know, if any, until you start doing what you're doing. But talk about what life is like trying to help people that, you can't actually relate to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the only experience until I became a therapist and into the population of addiction, um, both drug and alcohol addiction, was um, hearing stories from my father's upbringing because he did have an alcoholic stepmother and there were some family members as well, close family members of his that, you know, really struggled with addiction. Some have unfortunately, you know, passed away because of that. Um, and so, you know, thankfully by the grace of God, that didn't enter my home. Right. Right. But to me though, that's almost a testimony of someone having to experience that in their home, like my father, and then putting a stop to it. Yeah. Breaking that generational Breaking the chain. Yeah. And so I consider, you know, not, I don't, I'm not special in any way because that wasn't in my home. I know that that's something that is completely out of your control, but to me, that's just a testimony of God in my father's life and, and just kind of the upbringing that he had. But so until then, that was kind of really my only understanding of it. And then I I meet you, you know, and and you're just a nice guy. And I I don't know that thing you're breathing into in the truck, you know, as long as you can drive and keep me safe, we're good to go, you know. I remember that. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. I'm taking y'all places and I'm having to blow into my breathalyzer. (laughs) Wow. But, but, I mean, even that just um, so, so really it's kind of almost set up of um, addiction doesn't have the final say. Yeah. And so, you know, it didn't for my dad. It didn't for you, you know, and you're someone who definitely has had a big impact in my life. You know, Bible quiz, as silly and completely nerdy as it is, obviously is, is a piece of the foundation that I'm standing yeah. on today. And you were a part of that. And so for you, addiction did not have the final say. That's right. So with that mindset, you know, and of course, as a believer, I know that sin and death does not have the final say. And so here I am being thrown into a professional secular world working with... Um, Folks who are jumping in and out of jail, struggling, having to take drug tests. Okay, well, let's let's back up a little bit. Okay. When did you first realize that's what you wanted to do, the direction you wanted to take your life, and why? Well, uh, for counseling? Yeah. Um, just um, st- trying to pick every single um, 
Like, did, was it just like, all right, I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. No, yeah. Okay, counseling is the only thing. Like I tried. So. I tried like like seven majors. I went to that little like registrar's office many times, but um, I just had to settle with what I felt alive doing. And for me, I feel most alive when I am one talking about the word of God, and two when I'm sitting and listening to someone, looking them in the eye, and providing a space for them to feel comfortable and and not not judged and and heard. Wow. Right. And so that makes me feel most alive. It's exciting. And so, you know, just followed that, those steps. And so now I'm. And now you're, now you're doing it. So let me ask you this. You've been, you've been in church all your life. You've been around Bible all your life. Your perspective, um, whatever your perspective was, uh, of addiction and abusers, users, how was that? What was it really before you started doing this, and now that you've you've got a degree, you've licensed, and you've been doing it, mm-hmm. how different is your perspective now than than before you really got into it's, it? It's um, thankfully and very humbly different, right? And so, um, like I had mentioned, I knew that addiction didn't have the final say, but it was almost like, and me, since I've never done drugs, and I'm. I, I struggle with different things. I can help these people and, and, and I can be the one, you know, and, and that's just a very naive way of thinking. Yeah. Maybe there's good intentions behind it. Like I really want to help these people, but then there's that prideful aspect of, and I can help them because I'm so hmm. good. And so that's thankfully, <laughs> um, a mindset. I can that, help them be more like me. Yeah. And, and, and really, truly, um, I think that just being around that type of population has probably impacted me more than them. Hmm. Their external behaviors might have changed. You know, but for me, it's been a completely internal shift of there's no room for comparison. There's no room for labeling this testimony that and this testimony another way or um, thinking that you're better than anyone else because we all have things that we're trying to avoid and we numb those out or avoid those in different ways. Right. So so working with, um, you know, with an internship and working with a drug abuse population and alcoholics and, and, and people who are truly trying to be sober and change their lives, it, it just completely opened my eyes to seeing people for who they are and that I'm not, I'm not the one that's going to help you. You're not the one that's going to help me. We're all in this together. We're just all, I'm, I may just have a license, but really at the end of the day, that means nothing because we're two people in this room. So good. Having a relationship and really both of us are changing and growing. Yeah. I just can't tell you how I'm changing because yeah. there's ethical. Right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah. You know, that as a former alcoholic, and, and, and part of my mindset was I, I never really wanted to stop. I didn't think I was I didn't think I was as much of an addict as I was just somebody who really enjoyed drinking Jack Daniels and I didn't want to stop. It's not that I was trying to stop and couldn't, it's just that I didn't want to stop, so I was gonna keep going and until I until I landed in prison and I had to stop. But there's a lot of people out there <clears throat> that want to quit doing drugs, that want to quit drinking alcohol, that that can't. Now, I, I don't know what my journey would have looked like if I hadn't gone to prison because I needed that three years away from alcohol. I, I needed that separation to hit that reset button because if I had tried to, if I was going to try to recover outside of prison and I still had access to it, I don't know what my recovery journey, it would have had a lot of relapses, a mm-hmm. lot of relapses. I've said it before and I've heard other people say it as well. And I don't know if it applies to everybody, 
but it seems like it applies to a lot of people. I try to help. I don't have a license. Um, I try to help from a standpoint of being able to connect with them on their level Mm -hmm. for, and that's the only way I know how to, because I can't, I can't approach it from a, uh, an academic because I didn't learn anything in school about addiction. I didn't go and I didn't learn motivational interview and I didn't (laughs) learn all this stuff, the approaches that you're supposed to, you know, to be able to, but I've said before, and again, if it's wrong, I don't know if it's wrong or right, but I just want to know your opinion about it. But I, I usually find myself telling people that have relapsed that relapse is a very important part of your recovery journey. And I try to make it specific to them so I don't try to bring anybody else into it. But I said that I said that in a class, in a peer recovery coach class in Houston three years ago, four years ago. I don't remember when it was. I said recovery, uh, relapse is a very important part of recovery. And, and one lady got really mad at me because she was an older lady. I, I want to say older. She's younger than me, but she was, she had, she didn't try drugs until she was in her early forties. And she tried it one time and something bad happened and she never touched it again. And so she challenged my statement about relapse. And she said, relapse doesn't have to be a part of your recovery. I tried drugs once and I've never tried them again. And I said, that's, that's unusual. Most people don't stop after the first time. I said, so when I say that, I mean that for the general, the general is a generality, not as a specific for everybody, but what, what is your opinion on, on relapsing and, and what is a technique that you use, you know, whether it's something you learn in academics or something mm-hmm. you feel emotional about, or how do you, how do you approach when somebody's just like, man, I keep relapsing and I don't want to anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> just at the base, I would say a relapse does not define who we are. Um, many of my clients who I love, like, and I'm thinking of their names and their, in their faces right now, I love them dearly. And I've been working with them since 2016 and I've seen them go through several, uh, relapses and, and I've seen them pop back up stronger than ever and then relapse again. And, and so kind of like what you said, relapse is an important part of recovery. I absolutely agree with that. Um, if the person has the intention of, of, of really analyzing what what occurred before, during, and after that relapse. Now, if we're just relapsing with the intention of of not getting better and recovery's not on the table, that's complete. It's not, it's not a relapse. It's a complete turn around and walk away. But a relapse to me is like you fell down. You're gonna get right back up and keep going. So it has the opportunity or potential to either make you stronger mm-hmm. in your journey forward, or just make you go completely backwards and not yeah. even try anymore. And and I usually tell people, like I said, it doesn't define your worth or who you are and, and however many days sober you have before this relapse, it's still yours. No one can take that away from you. Not even your relapse. You still own those 60 days, yeah. those two years. It's still yours. So, you know, we may start the day back at day one if that's what you want to do, but you still own those days yeah. of, of freedom and sobriety and, how, and they don't just disappear. How important is it for people to celebrate those one day, that 24 hours, you know? On the, oh, it's uh, incredible. Because... People can get, I mean, if, if they look at, okay, I, want, I, I can be sober the rest of my life. Well, if I look at it in that my whole life, it seems impossible. Like I'm never going to accomplish that. But if I look at it in the sense of, all right, let's just take today. Mm-hmm. Can I be sober today? You know, and by the time you know it, there's, I've been sober seven days. Mm-hmm. And talk about how, how important it is to, to celebrate and look at the, 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 short, the shorter term 
uh, than, than trying to figure out, all right, I got I need to be sober the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, we can't say I'm never going to do this ever, ever, ever again, because that's such an unrealistic goal because we are human and we do have triggers that we deal with, not just addiction, but just in general, anything that you're trying to avoid or a habit you're trying to break. It's very difficult to say, I'm never going to do this ever again, but it just makes it so much more realistic and attainable and encouraging to yourself when you do get that hour of freedom and, and choosing to say no and, and, and giving yourself those small milestones where you're kind of reinforcing like a positive reinforcement more um, frequently. Uh, man, I got another day. I got another day. I can do this. I can do this versus, okay, I'm going to do 365 days. Okay. Well, you're not going to feel that positive reinforcement for 365 days. You're probably going to get tired and weary and not that there's anything wrong with you, but you've kind of set an unrealistic, it's not unattainable. But because it's just, when you, because when you don't make that, that 365 days, then, you, then you give up, up and, 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 and potentially you can just give up like, well, I couldn't make it. So, but if you if you do set a shorter term goal, yeah. you're like I made it a day. Yeah. And then even if you relapse after two days, you still made it a full day. And if you yeah. know if you made it a full day, you can make it two full days. And here's what that looks like in real life. If I had a client who said I'm going to be sober for six months, I'd be like, I believe that you can do it, but let's break that into smaller increments. Because then what happens is they wake up every day and choose today I'm going to be sober. And then now all the energy is focused on that day. And I've had people call me, Jessica, I'm at work and I saw the needle because I had to clean up something. I saw the needle and, and you'll be so proud of me. I immediately called my manager and threw it away. And you know what? I, I, I believe that that's because, one, they're choosing you know, a, a path of, of life versus right. a path of death. But also they, have, they had it in their head, today I'm going to be sober. You know, if you had, if you said in January, I'm going to be sober for six months, but that you find a dirty needle or, or something in March, that's going to kind of throw you off. Right. And, and it it just, it's, I think it's a mindset thing of, of choosing every day to wake up and, and, and and that relates to anything in life, not just drug and alcohol addiction. If I want to be a good mom, it's very hard to be like, I want to be a good mom all year long. No, today, whatever comes today, when I'm frustrated and want to yell at my kids, I can still take a breath and choose to be a good mom. And I'll, you know, I might make mistakes, but I'm giving myself more of a, like today, I'm going to try to be a good mom or I'm going to try to be a good wife today. I've had lots of guys say, well, man, I know at this point, a month from now, I'm going to be around these people and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be tempted. And I'm like, you need to focus on today. Mm Mm-hmm. All you can control is today. You can't control where you're going to be, what you're going to be doing tomorrow. You can't control tomorrow, <laughs> and you can't control the past. So focus on focus on today. You know where you're going to be today. You can yeah. choose where you're going to be today. Um, and so I try to just get them to focus because yeah. you're right. If you start saying I'm going to be clean, you know, sober for six months, well, now you're worried about five months and thirty days ahead of time, mm-hmm. rather than just focusing on on, on yeah. today. People, places, and things. How does that fit into addiction and recovery and all that? Those are that's what triggers us are people, places, and things, right? And so we have to choose to make healthy decisions for our lives and choose to remove toxic things. And sometimes those people, places, and things are so hard to remove because sometimes they're family. They're family, and there's investment, and um, we spent time and energy and and blood, sweat, and tears together, and and it's so hard to cut off. And I completely understand that, and I empathize with that. That It's hard to cut things out of our life that we need to. Um, But at some point it comes down to, okay, 
do if I need to do this, then I just got to do it. Yeah. I just have to cut it out. And and again, that might be one of those mindsets of all year long, I'm not going to go to people, places, and things. Okay, well, how about we just say today? Today, I'm not going to answer that phone call, and today, I'm going to drive this route instead, and today, I'm going to not um, touch that thing or look at yeah. that thing or, or, or expose myself to that trigger. And that way, you can kind of navigate. That way, you can still hang around your family, but you know when your family's going to have a party or a birthday party or a celebration, and you may, it may not be a good time to hang around them then. Make wise choices as you, they come. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's tough because I know... You know, one of the reasons our, our transitional house exists is because when I was in prison, two of my mentors, one of them went to a halfway house and relapsed, and the other one went back home to his family and relapsed. And so it's like... Two th- places that should be safe. I know. Right? And yeah. so that's the reason we exist, because we don't want everybody that... We want to try to help anybody that doesn't want to go to a, a, a state-funded halfway house come here. And then it also, if you know, you need to get away from your family for a little bit and, and get stronger, you know, um, that's why we exist. So, um, a lot of people think, and, be, and, and I know this because of church. All right. As soon as I get out of prison, you know, everybody knows I was an alcoholic and anytime anybody meets anybody that is an alcoholic or a drug addict or tattoo tattooed, you know, sleeved out or whatever, before they try to minister to them, they have this mindset or stereotype or whatever that, oh, we need to get you to Jadan. And because only he can minister to you because he's been where you've been. And one of the things I always say to those people is, look, you are qualified just as much to minister to this person as I am. In fact, you might even be more qualified. You know, just because... You can't relate to mm-hmm. what they do. This is why I love what you do and why it's just a it's just an example of, of, of someone being like Jesus. Jesus could not relate to any of the sinners he ministered to, but he connected with every single one of them. Yeah. And that connection is <clears throat> what provoked the change in their life. Not the not his ability to relate to them. And I think what you do in your mindset is 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 just like Jesus. You know, you first of all, you have a desire. There's a lot of people that have never been, you know, that are in your position that don't even have the desire to help other people that are in positions that they may not be in. Um, so talk about that. Talk about just how hard or easy it is to, to be able to help somebody yeah. without relating to them. Yeah. It's funny you say that because some of my favorite clients, I just, I love them. They are the 100% opposite of me. They dress in all black. <laughs> I'm quite the colorful person. Or they're into just some stuff that I would never, I wouldn't step foot in that, you know. But yeah. um, I just love them. Or they're, or they're men, um, you know, and they have different types of backgrounds than I do. And, and um, But I, I think you're right because it's the, it's the connection that's most important. And, and I don't think it's anything that I'm doing specifically other than just doing probably what God has called me to do, which is sit in a room, look someone in the eye, don't judge them. If there's something that needs to change in their life, the Holy Spirit will do that if, yeah. if they're allowing the Holy Spirit into their life. You know, yeah. if they're not a believer, again, I have to trust that the Holy Spirit will do that on his own. My job is to sit here and, and hear your story and help you process things and, and maybe help direct some some ways that you're thinking that are unhealthy and, and, and really expose triggers, you know, if it's a, an addiction setting or 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 find healing um, in ways outside of ourselves, 
And so I, I, of course, get comments of, well, what do you know? Have you ever even drunk in? Have you ever even used or this or that? And, you know, depending on my relationship with them, I might mention, like, actually, I haven't. Or, or I might be like, well, I don't think that information is necessary for what we're doing in here. Yeah. Um, we can talk about it later if you want, if, if, if that comes up. And, but and, um, and when they say things like that, that says more about them and their mindset, you know, about, like, am I really trying to get better? Because if I was, I wouldn't be worried about where yeah. the person that's trying to help me, where they've been, what they've done. Yeah. And, and, so, I, and I get that, though. Like, there is, you know, I, I, t- I can see why, um, you know, I would want advice about, you know, breastfeeding from a woman that's actually done it with twins, you know. And, and, and I get that mindset. But at the same time, there's also um, just some knowledge and wisdom that God's given everyone. And like I said, I'm learning from them. Perhaps they can learn from me, too. Right. But really, the magic happens in that therapeutic relationship. It's not a special technique or, or way that I can relate to you. It's going to be, um, are, are we both, are, am I offering you another human person and actually hearing what you're saying, or am I just like being a robot and repeating back a, a technique based off what you said? Yeah. And this textbook says to do that. Because I think people grow through relationship. That's exactly how, um, you know, Jesus did his ministry. It was all about relationships, looking people in the eye, touching people that were untouchable. Yeah. Right. And, and so from someone who's never done any drug in a way, yeah, a drug addict is untouchable, but I'm just as untouchable as they are. You know, you said that Jesus couldn't relate to the sinner. Well, that includes me too. So Jesus has to connect with me. And, and even though my choices of sin are different from yours, there's also so many similar yeah. ones, yeah. right? That are just as toxic and there's no hierarchy. And if, if Jesus Christ can still choose to connect with me, a sinner, and, and he, I'm called to image him, then my goodness, who do I think I am yeah. that I have, I don't relate to you? Because that's like putting myself above Christ now. And unfortunately, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of that mindset in, in, in the church as a whole, you know? Um, and unfortunately, um, I was one of them before I became, you know, uh, before I really got addicted to, you know, that's just how, that's how, how the, our whole church was back then, yeah. not Trinity, but before yeah. I went to but, Trinity. But I'm, but addiction doesn't discriminate against me either. Yeah. I, you know, I have probably some areas of weaknesses that if that was a route that Satan really wanted to try to take me out, there's probably areas that could happen. Yeah. Right. And so I'm not above anyone or just because I'll never do this type of um, lifestyle because really, truly, we're all prone to it Yeah. because at the root of it, it's we don't want to feel those uncomfortable feelings and we all try to numb out somehow and we're all a little selfish and prideful. Gosh, you know, I mean, I, I look at some people now and they don't drink and they don't do drugs but I feel very uncomfortable. You know, people felt uncomfortable when I was drunk and I was around them. You know, if I was around a sober crowd and I showed up drunk, it would make people uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable around people who are addicted to gossip. I mean, literally, like, what is going on? You know, I'm, I mean, that's, I, I'm like, I want to be away from it because I feel like it's almost a trigger for me to do something. And there are people that are addicted to gossip. There's a, people that are addicted to negative thinking, negative behavior and I'm just like man I get I get awkward when I when I'm I'm like oh, 
I feel like you're more addicted to that than I was to alcohol, yeah. you know? <clears throat> and um, so there's been, and, and I won't say, I won't paint the pastors and church with this, but definitely there's been some political figures who have gone on the record to say, oh, I believe in second chances, but I don't believe in third, fourth, fifth, and sixth chances. And it breaks my heart when I hear that, especially coming from, um, you know, people that a lot of people listen to. And because, I mean, our business, our ministry, you know. It's all about giving fact, chances. In fact, the last episode, uh, episode 62, Shannon, you know, his, the title of his podcast is, you know, uh, it was that ninth felon felony. <laughs> you know, um, he went down six times. He has six prison numbers, six <clears throat> different prison numbers, you know. Yeah. And... You know, I talked about it with him, and he was addicted to meth over 25 years. And, you know, and have you met anybody yet in doing this that you're just like, okay, yeah, no, there's no hope for this person? I, to me, that's not my place to decide that or not. You know, all I can do is continue to love the people that God puts in my life. Because I know that you're a Christian, and I, yeah. know, I know with Jesus, you know, there's no... yeah. But if you're looking at somebody and you go, all right, unless if this dude doesn't cry, if this person doesn't cry out to Jesus, I don't yeah. know, you know, yeah. and uh, I know it's hard to, you can't predict and and try to figure that stuff out. Yeah. But, but in general, do you believe there's that somebody's too far gone to help? I, 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 you know, not always, but I'll say majority of the time people don't change until they've hit their rock bottom. And maybe they just haven't hit their rock bottom yet. And it may look like a pretty dark bottom when I when I kind of meet them in, yeah. in that moment. But perhaps they do need to be shaken up a little bit more. Some people do need that, right? Some people don't need to hit rock bottom. Right. But un unfortunately, a lot of the folks that I work with do, Yeah. right? Like, wow, your kids are gone now. That's a rock bottom for a lot of people. I can't I, imagine. I, I tell everybody, everybody's rock bottom looks different. Mm-hmm. Like and my some sister, people's rock bottom is just losing their job, you my, know. My sister would get a speeding ticket, and she'd be down at the altar the next Sunday, you yeah. know, repenting of her sins. Right. You know, my rock bottom was a little bit different than my mm -hmm. sister's, you know. But uh, and, and I also tell people, you know, you can you can choose to make rock bottom whatever you whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You can choose, like if something happens to you, like you said, lose their job or whatever, you can you can make that rock bottom. You can make that as your rock low bottom. as you want. Yeah. You know, so you can either stop digging. Or you can keep digging either way, you know? Yeah. And, um, wow. All right. So, so what else do you want to talk about? I don't know. Well, I just want to just reiterate to you how thankful I am, um, again, for the place that you've had in my life, um, and, and being willing to try things that are uncomfortable when you're fresh out of prison, right? You know, I wish I could go back in time and just kind of meet you then again as <laughs> me now, just to be yeah. like, wow, like... You know, there, there's so much that has changed and grown since then. But that's just incredible because I, I literally, when I, when I think of that, I think of some of the people that I work with now who are fresh into recovery or fresh out of incarceration or whatever. And just knowing that that's the J-Dan that I met who is passionate and, and you know, the, the recovery and the new lifestyle might seem like a honeymoon phase, but for you it, it really wasn't because it was real. And I, I do believe that it was real because it was a soul change with, through Christ. It wasn't yeah. just a surface level. Well, I don't want to go to jail again. It was a, it's time to live for God. So, let's, so thank you. So let's end on, um, speak directly to the people behind bars, the males, the females yeah. that are there because of addiction. 
I read a stat that that I can't remember. I can't. I think it was uh, what episode it was, but it was um, she was the director of Pioneer Human Services up in in Washington, and she's she's the one who said that in in the county jails before they even get to prison, the county jails, eighty five percent of the people in there are in there because of an addiction mm-hmm. to substance abuse. So speak to people um, that are behind bars. Yeah. You already speak to people that are not behind bars through what you do, but speak to the ones behind bars and just offer them some sort of hope, whether it's through faith, whether it's through just not giving up, but from the heart, from Jessica Bearden, you know, let them know that things can be different. Well, um, wherever you're at behind bars or whatever your demons you're battling, be it addiction, I guess, for the nature of this episode, that does not have the final say, thankfully. And I know that to be true because there's testimonies of countless people. Um, and if, if you need reminding, just go listen to some episodes on this podcast. Um, but th- that does not have the final say. And where you're at, you are probably do feel probably trapped. And, and that's completely understandable. And you, it might seem like that's the end of the road, but it doesn't have to be. Even if you do stay there for the remainder of your life. I don't know your story, but that still doesn't have to have the final say. And, um, and, and the way that you choose to grow will not only help you and your family, but it's going to even help people like me. Like I said, Jaden was right where you're sitting, and he has such an impact on me and my family whose backgrounds look so different. And so your story is not over, and the, the impact that you can have is so much more than what you think. But there's probably work to be done. And if you're a believer, there's some Holy Spirit work that needs to be done. And it's hard, but it's so worth it. And So what are some steps, some practical, maybe even mm-hmm. spiritual steps they could take right now to, to change the direction they're, that they're even in jail or prison? And then maybe some, if some are getting, getting out, what are some practical spiritual steps they can take when they get out? Um, uh, I just, the, I'm just going to be super spiritual here, but hopefully Good. that's okay. It, it's, it's hard to change, you know, the bad things that we want to go back to. So I would encourage you to, instead of trying to change all your bad habits and your addictions, instead maybe try to change what you desire. So as far as if, if you actually spend time in the Word of God, you're going to desire the Word of God more. And the more that you're actually putting your heart and mind into that, the less you are maybe not going to want to go back to old lifestyle, but the more you're going to actually be spending time wanting that. That's good. And so... Just throw yourself into positive, um, you know, godly environments where you're soaking your mind and your heart in the Word of God so that you truly grow a desire for that, right? And that's what we'll talk about in a second for my podcast is how the Word of God became the desire. And eventually you want that more than you want the other path. And so it's so hard to say, I'm never going to go back to my addiction lifestyle again. Okay, but you can still say, today I'm going to desire the Word of God more than yeah. I'm going to desire um, X, Y, Z. So that's what I would say. That's good. I told, I told somebody, I was asking God, the Holy Spirit, to just really help me with an illustration to give to this person. And, and I told him, I said, pretend like you have the capability of only doing 10 things all day. That's it, 10 things whether they're simultaneously, one at a time, throughout the day, you only have capability of doing 10 things all day. And right now, where you're at, they're all bad. All right? So if you sit here and go, I'm going to change all 10 bad things right now, it's going to be impossible to do that. But if you just take one day, take, take one thing, change that one thing from bad to good, okay, and just wake up the next day, 
and do and do that same same good thing do it every day. It's attainable. Yeah. And then and then when you when that one becomes habit, you only have the you only have room for ten. So now if you have one good one in there, that's that's a habit you formed. Now you only have nine bad things, and you wash, rinse, rinse, wash, repeat, whatever that cycle is, and and now you just keep doing it. And the Bible says, uh, overcome evil by doing good. It doesn't say overcome evil by just stop doing the evil. It says you overcome evil by doing good. So the more you choose to add another good thing to your life, you don't have to try to stop doing the bad things. They're just it will just happen exactly. And your your desires will change. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Thank you so much. You don't know how much you mean to me. Your family means to me. I mean, your dad made a stinking documentary of forgiven felons. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and and we're trying to get that on the tablets in prisons. We're we're in that the process. We're in the process yeah. of doing that. So, um, what's the name of your podcast? Session in progress. Session in. I love that. You know name. why? Because life is like a big session, and just like in counseling, it's not a one and done. It's it's a continual. There's relapses there, and it's yeah. in progress. And sometimes you stop, and sometimes you go back. And um, I love it. But mine's Bible teaching. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So uh, you're gonna love her podcast. Uh, can people follow you on any social media or any? You got anything else out there that you want? I just have Jessica underscore Bearden. All right, Instagram, it, Instagram. I deleted right. Twitter <laughs> this you know, week, actually. You know, Twitter's still there, and I think I have one of my accounts linked to Twitter, but I don't. I can't yeah, remember the last yeah. time I got on Twitter. I'm too. I'm not in. I'm not hip enough anymore <laughs> for Twitter. <laughs> oh well. Uh, all right. Well, we'll have um, we'll have some of those links on the show page, and uh, you know, we'll have any any pictures you want to share. If you want to share your family with on the show page, well, you know, the cute Alrighty. little girls, whatever, the dog that hates me. Yeah. Put a picture of that. Um, thank you for all you do and thank your husband for all he does. Yeah, thank He's you. amazing. Yeah. And, uh, one day we'll get him on a podcast with us. What one do you day. think? One, one day. day we will. All right. Thanks, Jessica. Okay. So just a couple things I want to highlight from what Jessica talked about, man. First of all, isn't she so smart? My goodness, you know, and of course I have the privilege of watching her grow from an eighth grader to what she, who she is now. And it's just thinking incredibly amazing. And it's an honor to honor to call her friend. But you know, one of the things she said that addiction doesn't have the final say. And she talked about generation generationally, you know, her dad stopping it. And listen, no matter who you are and where you are, whether you're in a jail cell, whether you're out here in life and, you know, whether you were the one that kept the generational addiction going or whether it, it was before you and you want to help stop it either way, no matter what you have the power within you, you can't change the past and you can't, you can't change anybody's choices in the future, but you have the power to, to, to make sure it stops with you. You know, when people say this run, this ran in my family until it ran into me and I put a stop to it. So you have the ability, no matter where you are and who you are, you have the ability. If you kept it going and you're, you're afraid that you've passed it down to your kids, you can stop it with you. You can stop it with you. And your life, your model, will, will, will be one that the generation behind you will, will see and follow. You have the power. The other thing is, you know, relapse doesn't have to define you. And, and man, that is so true. You know, I mean, very, it's very rare that people quit things cold Turkey. 
I have a friend, Clark Deemer, that quit drinking cold turkey. He did it. He did, you know, I did it too, but not on, not on purpose. You know, I, I went to prison and couldn't drink anymore. But by the time I got to a unit where it was accessible, I didn't want to do it anymore, you know? And so I kind of quit cold turkey, but not because I wanted to, because it was forced on me. So I know, I know quitting cold turkey without any relapses ever is, is possible, but it's also rare. Some people seem to recover better by taking two steps forward and one step back, or maybe five steps forward and one step back. And they, and they, they fall each time, but they get a little bit better and stronger every single time. It's almost like, you know, the doctors, uh, sometimes will say a, a broken bone when it heals back together, that, that joint, that healing, that together where the, the, the break was is actually stronger than the original bone. I don't know how that happens. I don't know if God designed it that way on purpose, but man, you know, every time we, we have a break in whatever we're trying to do, we have the option to let that totally break us or let us let, let that break fuse back together. Let our, let our past fuse back together with our future. And when we fuse that back together, like a bone fusing back together after a break, it could actually become stronger. So listen, if, if you know, um, you know, if you need help, I think, I think Jessica works at the, uh, the true North, true North there in, uh, somewhere near spring. I, I, I can't believe I can't even remember where it was, but if you need help, get some help. If you're trying to help somebody talk to somebody else who's been through it to know the best way to approach them, because you can push somebody away. That's an addiction. You can drive them deeper into addiction. Yes. The, the choice is still theirs, but if you know if you know better how to approach somebody with addictions, the religious people back in, in the Bible times did not not They didn't know how to help people that were addicts. They didn't know how to help people that were strung out on stuff. Jesus knew how to approach them. And because of that, they were drawn to him. And because of that, he was able to connect with them and help them. Couldn't relate to them, but he was able to connect and help with them. So if you're somebody who's trying to help help others, do some research. Talk to a counselor and say, hey, listen, I don't know if this person will come to you, but do you have any advice for me on how to help them? Are there questions that I can ask them to help them in their recovery? You know, a lot of times, man, if you just ask the right questions to somebody hurting, they're gonna give they're gonna find the answers themselves to their recovery. But get help. Go, you know, listen, if if AA, a 12-step program, is your thing, go to it. There's some Christ-centered, faith-based ones called Overcomers Regeneration. If you're here in Dallas, Celebrate Recovery is all over. Find out if a 12-step program is not what you think is the best way for you, but at least get some help. There's help everywhere. There's more help now available to anybody struggling with any kind of addiction, any kind of addiction. And there's way more addictions out there than just pornography, uh, drugs, and alcohol. There's way more. I mentioned it in the show. You could be addicted to gossip. You could be addicted to negative thinking, negative patterns. You could be addicted to a poverty mindset. You could be addicted to a to a a, a, a rich a, a rich person mindset. You know, so 
get some help, no matter what, especially if it's a substance abuse that's harming your body. Uh, get some, get the help you need, you know. And uh, let me pray. I'm going to pray for Jessica and pray for you as we close this out. Father, in Jesus' name, by your spirit, I thank you for our guest today, Jessica, Jessica Bearden. Thank you that I got to meet her, that little eighth grade girl who's turned into this amazing woman of God who's helping people recover their life. Lord, we pray that you uh, keep her, protect her during this pregnancy with their little boy. Allow her and, and her husband to thrive with their kids. Open doors for her. Open open so many more doors that she didn't even know that was available to her. Give her new and creative ways to help the people that she helps. Thank you for her passion. Thank you for her love to see people's lives changed for the better. And Lord, we, we lift up all the listeners whether they're in prison, outside of prison, whether they have somebody, whether they're addicted or they, they have somebody that in their life that is addicted to something. Lord, we lift them up to you. We ask you to give them, intervene, have an encounter with you right now where they are, whether they're in a jail cell, in a car, listen to it while they're working out, whether they're on the street, under a bridge, wherever they are, Lord, I pray that you reveal your Holy Spirit to them in a way they've never felt it before. And we just break those, we break that spirit of bondage. We break that that generational curse of bondage and addiction. And we lose liberty and freedom in their lives right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Background Check Podcast. Again, share it with everybody you know. Share it with everybody you know. If you have Apple and you want to leave a review, that's fine. But share this podcast with everyone you know. Tell them to download all the episodes and and, and share it with everyone they know. And uh, we just appreciate it. And we'll see you next time on, on, um, on Background Check. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast. Brought to you by Forgiven Felons. Helping people with the past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. And please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.